I'd like to begin by paying my respects to the Wondery people, to the traditional custodians of this land where we are meeting upon today for its elders and past and presence and even for the self-agency people as well who have passed away too and who are still here today on the Aboriginal land. We recognise the self-advocates who have worked tirelessly over the years for the rights to equality and human rights for all. Hello and welcome to another Raising Our Voices on 3CR 8.55am. We are run by people with a disability and we give people with a disability a voice on the airways. Nothing about us without us. Hi, I'm Lisa. I'm a self-advocate and I'm an ex-member of Brain Injury Matters, BIM, and I'm a current a, a member of AMIDA and SARU. And I also work at the Office of the Public Advocate. Today's show is a conversation about our experiences as people with a disability in the healthcare system. We will cover a lot, but some of the main themes we will discuss are the way we have been treated by doctors and others, other health workers, access to support and information about the different sections of the health system, which can be difficult to navigate, and the cost of health care and lack of financial support. We want people to know that people with a disability have the right to accessible and affordable health care. It's important that doctors recognise our independence we are in control of our bodies and have the freedom to make choices. Today, I'm joined by Heather, Sky, and Steve. Hi, I'm Heather. I am a South African. I am also a peer worker for Reinforce and a committee member for Positive Power for Parents. Hi, I'm Sky. I am a South advocate. I have been a member of New Wave Gippsland, and I'm also a uh, work for sexual lives and respectful relationships. Hi, I'm Steve. I'm a self-advocate with New Wave in Gippsland. Before we begin, it's important to say that today we are sharing our own stories. While there are common themes, everyone's experience is different. I want to give a heads up to listeners that some of these experiences are are positive while others are negative and may be difficult to hear. If this show brings up difficult feelings, you can call Beyond Blue on 1300 22 46 36 or Lifeline on 13 11 14. Hi, I'm Steve. Um, I have an ABI and I got my injury four years ago. I spent four weeks in hospital. When I was discharged, I was just referred to the GP. I wasn't referred to any services and I received no information on self-advocacy or no information on disability services. My GP was really nice and he knew lots about my medical stuff but he didn't know where to send me to get help. Um, So the the big issue for me was actually getting information 
and knowing what support was available. Um, I was lucky because I had a background in social work. Um, so I could do my own research, but that wasn't very easy because I was partly paralysed and um, was getting used to using just my left hand. Um, so the experiences for me having a new disability was a bit different to some other, other people that have had a long-term disability or disability since birth. One thing that I've heard a lot through self-advocacy groups is that um, people with intellectual disabilities, I'm sure people with brain injuries have experienced too, but um, they're often questioned about if they have a guardian or someone that can give consent on their behalf. That's a big issue for some people that are allowed to make decisions on their own behalf. I have had many experiences where doctors and healthcare professionals have not listened to me or my choices. I got pregnant and I had a baby 18 years ago. After this, I wanted to get my tubes tied because it was an unplanned pregnancy and I was forgetting to take the medication that I was meant to take to stop me from getting pregnant. And everyone supported me with my decision except for the doctor. My mum supported me. My case manager supported me. Other professionals like counsellors supported me. But my doctor didn't. He actually said I would want to have more kids later on, like in five years' time. And he was really questioning me about the decision. So I, when, when I had a court hearing about getting my tubes tied, the doctor actually went, went to cancel that court hearing so I couldn't go ahead with getting my tubes tied. I knew that it was right for me and Doctors should respect everybody's decision, whether you have a disability or not. I have also had another experience where I was seeing a new doctor who didn't know anything about me. It was the first time I had seen him and he was asking me a lot of questions about my medical history and my medications. When I was going through this with him, he told me that I don't have that medical condition and I don't take that medication. Doctors need to be 
need to do more training in disability awareness, especially when they are starting out being doctors. That's amazing. That's an amazing story, Heather. Yeah, Mm. thank you. I can't believe you weren't believe pretty much. Yeah, but I, I put up with it, but there's a lot of healthcare professionals who do need to have training on disability awareness and how to respect people with a disability. That's right. They, I think they do. Yeah. Just for you to have to go to court just to get your tubes tied, that just blows my mind. Yeah. I've heard similar stories from people in doing self-advocacy and meeting with other groups of people that, are, yeah, question their ability to make decisions about their own bodies. Mm. I don't even know anybody like that that has gone through something like that. Yeah. I think it's more common than you think. No, it is because there's law out, out, like there's law that kind of um, puts all that kind of thing into into perspective. But it's I just find it unbelievable that 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 exists. Yeah, I'm thinking. I'm thinking doctors with all their education should really respect other people, whether they have a disability or not. They should just be respected. Yeah. But coming from my background, because I've studied human rights, I mean, you know, you're dealing with human beings. Yeah. You have the right to make decisions. Yeah. The right to be respected as well for these decisions. And so I don't understand that. Yes. Mm. I think also, too, that when you're a GP, I'm not sure about other people in the medical field, but I think people, doctors get very caught up in the medical side of things and so they forget about what the human cost of what they're asking for. Mm. Uh, What I mean is, you know, for me, I've got quite complex, not complex disabilities, but there's a bit, little bit going on with my medical condition. And so when I go and see a GP, it takes them by surprise because I do have a bit going on with my medical condition. Um, and so I might be a bit of a rarity or a novelty for them. And they want to ask, you know, when they want to show other people, you know, that... <laughs> That I exist, <laughs> depending on my mood. <laughs> you know, sometimes I'll let them, sometimes I won't. But mm. it gets very tedious. Mm. Do they ask you for your permission? Yeah, they always do. They usually do. But it does depend on my mood. <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. I'm so very sorry to hear about your experiences, Heather. Thank you, Sky. I just hope everything will get better. Well, we're certainly doing whatever we can for that to happen. Yeah. My experience was actually quite different to all of that because I had my injury in Greece. Mm. 
and it's like it's on a different planet there. Um, I was flying back from Greece in a first-class plane and I don't remember a single bit of it. Um, and when I got here, I don't remember too much till about a, a couple of months when I was at rehab. Um, my first memories of um, the cook at the rehab centre making a double chocolate mud cake and then, you know, started to learn how to walk again, how to talk again, how to do many things again. But that's basically my experience. And from that, I've pretty much come to the conclusion that doctors and medical staff generally should have training for people with disabilities and respect their choices. Yeah. And how did you find the rehab, Lisa? I, I went to the um I went to a rehab center which was probably the best in the entire state if not the entire country. I went to the Royal, Royal Talbot Rehabilitation Center, so they were excellent and we had a really good view. I remember looking over the Yarra River from Yarra Bend. That's where the um the rehab center was. So we had an excellent view as well. <laughs> And how was your transition from rehab centre to home, Lisa? Oh, no, they were so good. I was basically taken to Saru and to Ross House and to the, um, the neighbourhood house that I still go to now. I was taken to these places. That's why I was so surprised by you having not having information that's basic when you leave the rehab centre or the yeah. hospital. That's maybe we should tell all the rehab centres to get in contact with your rehab centre and see how it's done because, I mean, it felt okay at the time, but uh, now in hindsight they they weren't very helpful with, the, with my transition from hospital to home. Um, I yeah. had a really good transition from That's hospital fabulous. to home. I didn't have to ask anything because everything was like, at my um, doorstep kind of thing. It's a model for other rehab centres. Oh, most definitely. It's nice to hear a positive story. Yeah. <laughs> oh, how about you, Sky? <laughs> huh. Well, I had my stroke when I was five. A thing that I got taught very much as a kid with a disability is that you need to be polite to grown-ups. And so I found that hard to be able to say what I actually wanted to the medical staff um, and to the rehab staff. I found that really hard. My disability was so uncommon that I felt like a guinea pig sometimes. Being shown off and having to be very accommodating is still a problem. It makes it hard to advocate for yourself. Um, I think I really found that quite difficult. And over the years, I've had good relationships with my doctors just because, you know, I've had to do lots of physio and look at different things, especially getting on the NDIS. That was quite difficult. You certainly bring another perspective to it, though, to being dis to having a disability. I never would have thought about it, having a disability, when I, when I, if I was so young, how I'd go through the rest of life. Because mm. you're certainly treated, you know, as a medical 
there's a medical thing as when you're a kid and you're going with your parents and they look at you not as a kid but as a medical uh what's the word a medical Oddity. oddity yeah that's a good word oddity <laughs> yeah Bit harsh, but <laughs> that is what it is and yeah having to show that you know you, you do have control over your body is quite a thing as a kid yeah yeah yeah. So we're going to take a quick music break now and listen to Witch Doctor by David Seville. We'll be back after the break. I told the witch doctor I was in love with you. I told the witch doctor I was in love with you. And then the witch doctor, he told me what to do. He said that... Doctor, you didn't love me true. I told the witch doctor, you didn't love me nice. And then the witch doctor, he gave me this advice. He said that, oh, ah, ah, ting, tang, So I went out and found myself a guy that's so much wiser And he taught me the way to win your heart My friend, the witch doctor, he taught me what to say My friend, the witch doctor, he taught me what to do I know that you'll be mine when I say this to you Ooh-ee-ooh-ah-ah-ting-tang, walla-walla-bing-bang Ooh-ee-ooh-ah-ah-ting-tang, walla-walla-bang-bang love for me just like you were a miser and I'll admit I wasn't very smart so I went out and found myself a guy that's so much wiser and he taught me the way to win your heart my friend which doctor he taught me what to say my friend which doctor he taught me what to do I know that you'll be mine when I say this to you oh baby ting-tang walla-walla bing-bang Disabled people are worth every bloody penny. I'm okay. We spend money on the supports that we need. There's more than 400,000 people who should be on the DSP, but are on Job Seeker instead. I've got a life to live. I've got commitment. Like everybody else in society. The only way to provide meaningful support is stronger grassroots movements. These institutions are never going to be our saviour. If everyone was the same, it would be a born old world we live in. We need to do a lot of work in this country around shifting community attitudes towards people that don't fit the white, able, straight, cisgendered person. 3CR. Stay tuned, stay radical. 
At the start of the break, you heard Witch Doctor by David Seville. You're listening to Raising Our Voices on 3CR 855 AM, 3CR Digital and Streaming at 3cr.org.au. We are run by people with disability and we give people with disability voice on the airway. Nothing about us without us. Today we are discussing our experiences in the healthcare system as people with disabilities. Over to you, Sky. When I first got my disabilities back in the 80s, healthcare was completely siloed from disability services, and it still is to some extent. It's been less siloed since 2006, but this is still an issue. I found that health and disabilities are still separated. Um, this can make it easy to fall through the gaps. This can also make it hard to get funding. Um, this was my experience when I needed a neuropsych report. At the time, health and disability services were separated in the Victorian government and the ha health section of DHHS said it was a disability issue to fund a neuropsych report and disability said it was a health issue and I couldn't get the funding. So I gave up on the NDIS application processes. It was too expensive to get that assessment done out of pocket. Um, I was rejected four times for the NDIS and I'm still not on the NDIS. Everyone says but, getting on the NDIS is the thing to do, but if you can't get on it, not everyone is eligible for the NDIS. Yes, and if you can't get on it, there is other services available. Eventually, I found the HACC service, which is the Health and Community Care, H-A-C-C, Health and Community Care. If you haven't got NDIS, you might be eligible for Health and Community Care support or assistance. How about you, Heather? Um. Even if you are on the NDIS, that still doesn't cover everything. I am on the NDIS, but I also have chronic health conditions. I have to see different specialists for these conditions and pay out of pocket. And I also now have to pay out of pocket to see my GP, even when I need a strip for my medications that I need to take for my chronic health conditions. That's really hard work. Um, yeah. I've, I've noticed that I'm quite privileged compared to a lot of people on DSP that are really struggling. But I even found it hard at times. Most GPs, just even for a doctor's visit, there's even on the DSP, there's a gap. Yeah. But it's not so much the gap. It's coming up with the full amount of upfront payment before you get the money back from Medicare. So, yeah. Mm. I also had to have some medical tests 
and I told them I was on a pension, on a disability support pension, and the price to get that test done was $400. Yeah. $400. I was very lucky that I had it done when it was paid payday for me. And they told me that after I had the test. Wow. Yeah, so they weren't being transparent with me. And I I limit my visits to the doctor. Sometimes I avoid going to the doctor when I should because I don't always have access to the full fee up front and I know of other people that don't have the money up front to go to the doctor. So they avoid going to the doctor and sometimes end up in accident and emergency because they've got no money. Yeah. And my medical conditions have worsened up because I haven't been seeing the doctor because I've because of my experiences that I've had. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Sky? So I have found it really hard to connect with a GP. I recently moved uh, house to a different new area, and the GP I had is really great, but he's back where I used to live, and I still haven't found someone where I'm living now. So I'm what I'm doing is doing telehealth with him until I find someone closer to where I'm living. Yeah, I need to find someone where closer to where I'm living because I'm going through some changes. I need to work on that. And also the cost is pretty prohibitive. As you're saying, Steve, it's it's pretty hard to come up with that charge up front. It might be better if Medicare could fund the gap as you're paying. Uh, yeah, when I moved to Gippsland from Melbourne, it, it took me um, over two years to find a regular doctor um, locally. Um, so for two years, I travelled back to Carrum, which was two hours on the train just to see my GP. But what I found when I got first got my disability, I didn't even know where to look for help. And But for me, what helped most was getting connected with disability advocacy services in person, brain injury matters in Melbourne, um, over the phone and um, online. They pointed me in the right direction. A new wave in Gippsland pointed me directly to um, services that other people had had good experiences with. So I didn't waste my time going to lots of services. And the good thing about disability self-advocacy is we're not um, professionally obliged to say that services are good if they're if our experience was not good. So I got to find, <laughs> eventually got to find good services that are available in my community by going to my local self-advocacy group. So um, what needs to change? Oh, I don't know. Brand new data has <laughs> to be good <laughs> So I think it would be good to have a, you know, someone whose job it is to connect people with different services. I feel like. I think it would be better if if people with a disability were recognised as people to be yeah. as human yeah. beings with every choice that they make being regarded as a choice and every decision they make being regarded as a decision. Because mm. we're, 
in Victoria, we are governed by the human rights legislation in Victoria. Yes, but I'm I'm thinking on that. I'm thinking um, it's there as legislation is there, but in practice, where is it? Yeah. There should be more disability awareness and just common respect and disability awareness everywhere in every um, medical field and being out in the community. Definitely when for those people who are starting out at a new job, whether they're um, doing being a doctor or working in a grocery store or uh, driving the bus everywhere, mm. they, they really need disability awareness because I've had so many shocking experiences that shouldn't even happen here in the year 2023. Mm. Yes. Yeah. So that's about all we have to say, I think. Thanks for listening to Raising Our Voices on 3CR, 8.55am. And today we shared our experiences navigating the health system as people with a disability. This show might have brought up some difficult feelings for some people listening today. For support, you can call Beyond Blue on 1300 46 36 or Lifeline on 13 11 14. We are run by people with a disability and we give people with a disability a voice on the airways. Join us next month. Now stay tuned for Margin Voices. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.